0: You guys hear me? Boom. How you guys doing? You good? Y'all awake? Y'all awake? Okay. Yeah, see, we still got people rolling in. Shout out to you. But look, you never know what's gonna happen. You know, sometimes you may try to perfectly time your arrival and you don't know what we're gonna do that night. So I encourage you guys to, to be on time, to be a part of what we're doing. And that's what we are talking about tonight. I want to talk to you guys about being a part of what is taking place here. I want to talk to you guys about participation, about being a part of something greater than yourselves. This is not the first time that I've mentioned this, uh, especially this year, but I want to really focus in on it tonight, and I want to talk to us about living in community. How are you guys doing with that? Good? Everybody feels like you guys are doing great at living in community? Raise your hand if you're doing great at that. Yeah. Boom. Okay, we got a couple people. Do I have any small group leaders in the house? Yeah. Boom. Did y'all hear how high-pitched that was? Where are the men at? Yeah. yeah, see? Yeah, you know, we need we we need the men to continue to rise up. Kings? Because that was very high-pitched. I need some balance there. You know what I mean? But uh, I feel like our generation doesn't do great at living in community. I feel like we find our little pockets, uh, but we are not doing great at really living connected to one another. And I'm going to tell you guys, just for me personally, that how I am, I don't naturally do well at this. Now, Just so you guys don't think that I'm speaking from a place of uh, just it comes easy to me or just personal expertise or I'm just a professional at living in biblical community. That's not the case. I naturally avoid that. Like I am the person like even when Carl just said greet the person around you, like I'm the person that has to be like, all right, yeah, let me engage Naturally, that's naturally who I am. Now, I mean, doing this for for the amount of time that I've been doing this, being a part of the church for the amount of time that I've been a part of the church, I've learned to appreciate it. I've learned to enjoy it, but I had to learn. I had to learn that it was a good thing because me not liking it did not mean it was not good for me. When I first got invited to be a part of a small group the very first time, I avoided it like the plague, I gave every excuse in the book to not come to the small group. I would come to services and sit all the way in the back. I would try to find a seat that had a good balance of emptiness on each side of it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? Thank you. Don't leave me alone. I appreciate you. I'm not the only one that doesn't just naturally gravitate toward people, and especially toward people I don't know. So, I'm not coming from a place of this comes naturally to me, but I am consistently challenged by the scriptures because what we see in the scriptures, what we see as Jesus is building the church, it's all about community. It's all about connectedness. And I think that uh, in many ways, Jesus says that the word of God is like a seed and the seed stays consistent. The, ste- the seed is always the same, but the ground that it hits determines what it produces. And, I be- and one of the types of soil that he describes is a soil where, where weeds grow up with it and-, and choke out what was supposed to bear fruit. And I believe that our culture of individualism many times is growing up with our Christian faith and choking it out. And we're not experiencing the fullness of what it's supposed to produce because so many things are running alongside it. And individualism is not a good combination with Christianity because the Bible tells us that God is three in one. So everything starts with community. God himself is a community united. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. They are same level, same substance, three persons in one. It's a divine mystery, but it's a community. And then God says in the beginning that he made Mankind in his image, and it actually says, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. And then he creates Adam, and then what does he say after Adam is around for a little while? He says, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. The man was created in the divine image, and the divine image is a divine community, And so the man being by himself is not good because he wasn't designed for that. You were not designed to do life alone. You cannot thrive by yourself. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how strong you are, no no matter how independent you feel, you were not designed to thrive by yourself. And you actually need community. You need relationship. And this is why when Jesus starts his ministry, he doesn't just go around preaching to crowds and then leave like many churches do today. He started off building close relationships with people. The first first people that he really goes after are his disciples, the people that he wants to bring close to him. He built A community, a close community around him. He built a community that then he could invite people into. And so when he did preach to crowds, they had a community to come be a part of. And we see sometimes the disciples are described as the 12, but then we also see the 72 and then we also see the large crowds, and there's, a, there's an occasion where it says many of his disciples actually turned away and left him, implying that there were many disciples to begin with for many of them to have walked away. And so Jesus was building a community, and this is why he told Peter that he would build his church. And so last week, we were reading in Luke 5, and we paralleled it with uh, Acts 2, where Peter gives the first sermon and the church begins with 3,000 people in the first day. And I wanna dive back into that tonight uh, to pull out a key concept that immediately becomes evident in their gathering. So I wanna pray for us and then we're gonna dive into Acts chapter two. Father, I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you care for us so much. Lord, and that you brought each and every person here today and watching online because you want them to be a part of your family. You've adopted us into your family. We are members of your household, citizens of your kingdom. This is what your scriptures say, God. God, we are a part of your body, the body of Christ. Many members, part of one body. Lord, would you help this to really sink in to our hearts as we study this this year, God? Would you help us to live this out, God? Would you help us to embrace this? Anything that's standing in the way of us embracing this, Lord, would you help us to get rid of it, Lord? Would you bring things to the surface that we need to see? And would you speak to our lives so that we could be who you're calling us to be, and so that we could experience the abundant life that you came to give us by embracing the things you've told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. of all the people, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What a powerful picture. Luke is giving a description of everything that took place after Jesus left and the the building of the church and the expansion from the church uh, from Jerusalem out to Judea to Samaria and all the ends of the earth and he's documenting it, he's outlining how it happens and he summarizes the beginning of the church with this picture. And my Bible had it titled The Fellowship of the Believers. What had just previously happened Right before this event was the Holy Spirit came upon 120 believers in a powerful way and filled them and empowered them. And it was the promise that Jesus said that they were to wait on before they went and did anything. He said, do not go anywhere. Do not do anything until you receive the promise, until you are clothed with power from on high. So there was a period of time where they were just waiting for what was next. And then they experienced what was next. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Uh, Miracles started taking place. They started speaking in other languages. It drew a crowd. And then Peter gives a sermon empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that this was the key. Once the Holy Spirit had come, he he empowered them to reach people. Peter, filled with the Spirit, gives a message, explains everything that had taken place and that Jesus Christ was God himself fulfilling the prophecies, fulfilling the scriptures, was crucified and then resurrected. And that day, 3,000 people believed and received Christ, were baptized, and stepped into biblical community. And then this is what happened right after. For most of us, our salvation experience, if we've had one, has been very much internal. An individual and it's not that we are not in any community but in many ways our society with this individualism choking out the Word of God keeps us in isolation and we view community as an option not an obligation but the Bible tells us that with salvation community is an obligation that you cannot be a part of the family of God and not be a part of the family of God. You, you see that, that? That everything that the scripture tells us that Jesus came to do was about his people and gathering us together and making us one. It's all about us being together. And this is what is dangerous about when we uh, just let. Christianity run alongside all these other philosophies because most other philosophies that we're adopting, especially in our country, they're all individualized. It's all about your personal faith, your personal truth, your personal desires, and whatever works for you works for you, and whatever works for me works for me. But Jesus is saying that is not how it works, that there is something outside of us, greater than us, that should pull us together, and regardless of what your truth is, you acknowledge the truth because you don't have a monopoly on the truth. The truth just is. Amen? And the truth is you're better in community than you are by yourself. That is the truth. But many times we don't embrace it. But I believe that God wants his church to come back to this reality. Not that we're supposed to go back to being the early church, but that we are supposed to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit does in the church. And if as soon as the Holy Spirit arrived, they got together and became united, we need to pay attention to that and examine when we're not experiencing that. And so if you are not experiencing community and fellowship, then... Why? It's either you don't have the Holy Spirit or you're just not stepping into what he's drawing you into. And I think for many of us, it's just that. It's not that complicated, that we, we're not paying attention to that area of our lives. We have the Holy Spirit. Many of us, most of us, If we're coming here, it's because we want God in some form or fashion. Most of us in this room have made a decision to follow Christ, though not all of us, but most of us. So the reality is that most of us are just kind of leaving this area of our lives, not totally unattended, but I don't know if we are fully devoted. Because this says that they devoted themselves to these things. How devoted are you? to biblical community and family. It's a challenge for me. So if it's a challenge for you, welcome. But it's a challenge that God wants to give us the ability to meet. Amen? Y'all not hype about this one. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Y'all want some more, God's got a blessing for you, huh? Is that what you came for? That thing you've been waiting on. That thing you've been waiting on. I'm telling you that that God has it for you. That's what y'all want? It's on the way. Those of y'all who've been waiting. Anybody been waiting in this place? Do I have any waiters? That's what y'all want? (laughs) That's not what you're getting tonight. You're getting the word of God because... Because many times, and there's not anything wrong with that. The Bible says to wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There are so many great things. But can I tell you that many times we're looking for therapy in ways that we think we need it. And God is trying to give you the answers you need. Not the answers you want. So he's trying to bring you the solutions that you need. And the truth is, you need this. All of us want to be a part of a thriving, vibrant community. There are many reasons why we're not, or maybe only a few of us are experiencing it, but the truth is we all need it, and I believe that that's what God wants for us. He wants it for you as an individual. He wants it for the people around you, and I know that's what he wants for us as a church, as as a whole, and I know it's what he wants for us as young adults, because I do believe that he's leading us through The times that we're in. And if you look around at the times that we're in, this is not the time to be trying to figure everything out on your own. We need to come together as a family, come together as a team, and walk through life together as he desires. So here's what I want to focus in on tonight. He says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I want to focus on fellowship tonight. Fellowship is this, close association involving mutual interests and sharing. It's a Greek word used there, uh, koinonia, and it, it means fellowship, and you can have fellowship with God, and you can have fellowship with others, and the Bible talks about both, and right here, immediately as they had fellowship with God, it simultaneously resulted in fellowship with each other, and they Became accountable to each other and engaged with one another and invested in one another. And the truth is, you and I, we want to be invested in, but we don't always want to invest in. And so what many of us do is we come to church and we look at all the ways that we want to be invested in, that we wish that we were invested in, instead of investing in. And if all of us took the mindset of I'm going to show up and I'm going to invest in the people around me, then I'm going to be able to be invested in as well. Because if say there's just two of us and both of us are committed to investing in, then both of us are being invested in. But when all of us come with the mindset of I need something before I give something, then nobody gets anything and we all leave unfulfilled but if we embrace this concept of devoting ourselves cuz that's what happened they devoted themselves they didn't just wait until everybody else got on board said so they devoted themselves as a unit and i believe that god wants us to devote ourselves to close association involving mutual interests and sharing and then all the other pieces are hinged on that one piece the teaching the breaking of bread and prayer, they were all centered around the fellowship. None of the other things are happening without the fellowship. The gathering is what matters. The gathering is what comes first. The gathering of God's people is the space that facilitates everything else. And so how do we devote ourselves to fellowship? Number one, we had just put it up, close association. Close association. I'm just gonna go through the three points in this definition. How do we devote ourselves to fellowship? Number one is close association. How closely are you associated with the people around you? Silence. How closely are you associated with the people around you? How close are the associations in your life? Not criticizing you. Um, I'm opening this up for evaluation. This is not a condemnation. All of us likely struggle in this because society is moving in this way. I hope you guys notice these constant themes that I'm talking about, right? I'm constantly talking about where society is going and where we need to be going because The the general movement of society is going further and further away from what the scriptures tell us God desires and what's best for us. So society is becoming more and more immersed in technology, and technology is creating distance and false connection. And what appears to be connection, but what is not true connection. Gabrielle and I, when we were dating, I don't, many of you guys may not know this. Maybe you haven't heard it in a while. We dated for long distance, three and a half years. Long distance, three and a half years, we dated. And can I tell you that being on FaceTime is different than being in person? We can see each other. We can hear each other. But it's different than being in person. And being closely associated cannot truly take place through technology. No matter how advanced technology gets, it will never replace looking at somebody, talking to somebody face to face, giving somebody a hug. Those things make a difference in our connection with one another. And God made us that way. And sometimes we're struggling in our relationships because we're not in spaces that are facilitating close association. And as simple as this is, it would be revolutionary for some of us to embrace this concept. What would it look like for you to embrace, man, I need to be around my people. First, I need people. Then I need to be around them. True relationship is only cultivated that way. You don't really get to know somebody through technology. I'm a terrible texter. I'm not bragging about that. It's not a good thing. It's not something I'm happy about. I just don't enjoy it. I would much rather have a conversation. It's much easier from from my perspective. Other people may not feel that way. But I do appreciate that one thing about me that I appreciate just having a conversation because it fosters better connection. There is so much that gets misread through texts and emails and DMs and all that. It's not the same as actual connection. And I believe that God wants us to be closely associated with each other. And we need people in our lives And in order for that to happen, we have to open the door. You need people in your life. And in order to do that, you have to open the door. That might mean opening the door of your home, opening the door of your heart. That means like actually allowing people into who you are because you want to be known. Which can sound very deep and very emotional, but the truth is every single human wants that. You do want that. If you don't think that you want that, then you got so hurt that you've convinced yourself that you don't want that, and you still do. You want to be in a place that you feel like you can be yourself and be accepted and approved of, and we find that in God, and then the next place we should find that is in godly community because God wants us to experience that through our peers as well. And so here's, here's the truth. We have to be those people, too. We have to continually walk both of these lines, what we need and what we have to give, what we want to receive and what we have to give. Everything that we want to receive, we also have to be willing to give. Jesus would say it this way. Do unto others as you would have them. Everybody knows it. But look at how difficult it is for us to actually do that. But here's... Here's a very important thing that I I believe for the church, and I've kind of been diving into it here and there in the last few messages, but we have to be the kind of people that represent God well, and we have to be the kind of people that other people want to be around, because we can sit here and talk about being closely associated and having community and having fellowship, and the truth is I can talk about it, and then if you go and you step into a group of people and you're treated poorly, well, then this all kind of goes out the window for you. And so this means we all have to take a group effort to embrace this and facilitate this. This is not something that Victory Young Adults staff is facilitating. This is something that Victory Young Adults is facilitating, We all have to embrace what God says his church is supposed to be. And I know that one of the best ways that we can commit to that is by committing to be the type of person that other people wanna be around. If we wanna build a thriving community, we have to endeavor to be the kind of people that others want to be around. I would encourage taking a picture of this, writing this down, really embracing this and meditating on this. Am I the kind of person That other people want to be around. Because at the baseline, there's an obligation for us to be around each other. But nobody really wants to be in a relationship with people out of obligation. I don't want to be friends with you because God made me. I want to be friends with you because I like you. And both of those things can come together. Jesus is commanding us to be one But he also gives us a lot of instruction as to how we engage with one another to make that a peaceful process. He says all kind of stuff throughout the New Testament, the fruit of the spirit, all relational stuff, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That sounds like a person that I wouldn't mind being around. And that sounds like a community I wanna be a part of, if I could describe it in that way. And in case you're not familiar with the kinds of people that people don't wanna be around, I'ma dive into that real quick. People do not wanna be around someone who is one, self-centered. This is the worst type of person to have, especially in a small group setting. And I want us to dive into these things because as we're really going to be pushing for us all to be engaged in small groups, we have to address what some of the issues are. Uh, Self-centered. This expresses itself uh, like the person who's dominating the conversation. Nobody wants to... Anybody experienced that in, in a discussion? This is not just small groups. This is one-on-one. This is, this is that person, and maybe you're this person, and this is a great opportunity for you to reflect and evaluate and say, hey, I'm this person, that in your conversations, you're only thinking about you. And, like, your conversations are steered in a way that is all about you. And often when you're having conversations, you're leading people somewhere like somewhere that you want, or something that you want, and somehow your conversations with people may never get around to you asking, how are they? What do they have going on? Do you notice what they have going on? Do you know their name? (laughs) Did you ask? This is something to evaluate, because there's no way we can reflect the heart of God and be self-centered because God is not self-centered. We love because God first loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That's a selfless God. Jesus walked the earth serving. He said the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the God that we're following, that we're endeavoring to be like. And so self-centeredness cannot have its way in our lives. So what would it look like if we were a community full of people who were selfless? Like, um, I want you to just picture this, imagine this. If we were a community full of people who were prioritizing the person in front of us, even above ourselves. That's what the scripture actually tells us to do, to esteem others as more important than yourselves. It's a high call. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets involved, though. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit starts moving in your life. And this is why it's also so important that we're regularly engaging with the word of God because he'll start checking you on this stuff. And if you're getting too self-centered, you're not reading the Bible much. Because it's going to frustrate you and you'll want to stop because you're going to want it to start talking about you more. God, I came here to get some affirmation, some encouragement. I came here for you to tell me that I was right and that everybody else was wrong. And you're saying stuff like lay down my life, serve, be humble. What is this? It's the word of God. And this is what the Holy Spirit, this is why a true Christian community would be a light. You you see that? How how Christian community, the church should be a light? It's stuff like that. Who cares more about other people than themselves? That might be somebody that I want to inquire about. I want to get to know them and, and maybe get to know the God that's making them like this. So nobody wants to be around the self-centered person. Nobody wants to engage in that. And our community is much better off when all of us, we check ourselves on that. Because we're also all tempted to go down that route. All it takes is us feeling justified in doing it, and we'll go down that route. And I want to encourage you to evaluate yourself and say, hey, and it's not that you are not important. You are extremely important. You are extremely valuable to God. The thing is that everything's not about you, though. And you want to conduct yourself in a way where yes, you are a part of what's taking place, but you are not the center of what's taking place. Second type of person is a negative person. Nobody wants to be around a negative person all the time. (laughs) Nobody wants to be around negativity. This is just practical. You don't like being around negativity. And if you do, it's because you like being negative. And then nobody's happy. It's just misery loves company. But nobody wants to be around that all the time. Like, you can be going through stuff and share that, but don't share it just to go nowhere. You know, like, when you are just complaining about your problems that you have no plan on ever letting go of... Like this isn't me bringing the problem to you so that I can actually get counseled through it or even this isn't like a pray for me. Like I really want you to pray for me so I can get free from this. This is like I'm saying the language pray for me, but I really just want to voice this problem again and voice it again tomorrow and the next day. And I want to I can't wait to go to small group because I got all this stuff going on that I can't wait to blah, 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 blah. And us go nowhere. And no, I'm not going to open my Bible tomorrow. No, I'm not going to pray tomorrow. I'm just going to complain tomorrow. And I can't wait until we go back to church so I can complain again. Some of us can go down that road. And that is not what anybody wants to be around. That is not what your friends want to be around. That is not what uh, uh, if you're looking for a spouse, nobody wants to be around that. That will drive your kids crazy when you have kids. Am I lying? Okay. Nobody wants to be around negativity. And it's not that you can't be honest about the things that are going on in your life. But again, evaluate, take responsibility, be accountable for what you have going on. And the last thing is a critical person. Nobody wants to be around criticism all the time. So don't be overly critical. Endeavor to be a voice of grace and truth. Be a listener. That's how you avoid being self-centered. Be a listener. James 119 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That is something that we need to remind ourselves of every day. Because it's much more natural to be quick to speak and slow to listen. But if you want to foster healthy relationships and if you want to be a part of a healthy community, endeavor to be the type of person who's quick to listen, to hear. And then when you speak, it'll be more meaningful. But many times we've already decided what we think is going to be meaningful and we can't wait to share it with people. And no matter what they have going on. And you will be much more effective in your communication with people and in your relationship building with people when you listen to them first and you know who you're talking to. And that's a much better way to actually share the gospel with people, to know who's in front of you. Amen? So number two, the first thing, how do we devote ourselves to fellowship? Close association. Number two is mutual interests. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but mutual interests. It says that that koinonia, fellowship, is close association involving mutual interests and sharing. Our mutual interest in a church community is not just our hobbies. It's not just our, our cultural experiences. It's not just the things that we like or have an affinity for. All those things can be a part of it. But the root, of a church community is our mutual interest is Jesus. And as simple as that might sound, you don't always find that in a church community. Sometimes you can go to be a part of a Christian community and it seems like nobody here knows Jesus. Because there's no reflection of him. There's no evidence of him. In the gathering. And what I'm not saying is that every gathering of believers has to be centered around a conversation about Jesus or it has to be a church service. But what I'm saying is that a gathering of believers should have some difference than a gathering of unbelievers. And if our gathering has no difference, then what is the point of our gathering and what's really taking place? Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people and brings them together, there's some fruit that starts coming up. And we want to make sure we are honoring Christ in everything that we do. Jesus is Lord. You know how so many of us say that in the salvation prayer? I make you the Lord of my life. Because the scriptures call him the Lord. And if Jesus is my Lord and your Lord and all of our Lord, like he's who we serve with our whole lives, shouldn't that be evident? Shouldn't that be evident when we get together? Like, I don't have to give you the tasks that should be taking place in a Christian gathering. It should just be evident that these are Christians. Because the culture of the kingdom should be evident. When when you gather with, with a particular ethnic group, there are some particular differences in ethnic groups culturally that are just evident like gabrielle's mom is is puerto rican and cuban and the food is is markedly different than what i grew up with the music is different like she's trying to have me do dances that i don't know at the weddings and the parties and there's just an aspect of the culture there are aspects of the culture that are just evident and the same thing should be true With Christian community, we should have a culture that's different and is evident and should be biblical. Amen? All right. Mutual interest. And then the last thing is sharing. Sharing. I felt like this was such a great definition of uh, fellowship. Acts 2.44, it says, All the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And so, we have uh, cash registers in the back. I'm just playing. (laughs) Uh, I'm not gonna make y'all sell all your possessions tonight. Um, This is talking about something that they did willingly as as a result of their love for one another. It wasn't that Jesus commanded them to get rid of everything that they had. It was that when they got in close community, they started seeing the needs of other people around them, and when, when some of them had extra that they didn't really need, they were willing to give up the extra that they didn't need to help the people who didn't have enough. And it resulted in equality. And that's ultimately what was taking place here, and, and it's affirmed even in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 13-14. through Paul is collecting an offering from the church in Corinth, and he's explaining to them this. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. This is Something that should be evident in Christian community, and it may be completely foreign to us. And again, I'm not saying that this needs to be some extreme where any of you guys feel the need to quit your job or to give everything in your bank account to where you have nothing. Again, that's not what he's trying to invoke here. What's taking place is just the evidence of people loving each other. And here's the other thing. Along with everything else I said tonight, there needs to be accountability on everybody's part. And sometimes that's the part that we don't talk about in community. Many times we talk about what people need, and we don't partner that with what people need to do. Here's what I mean. You get in in, in community with people, right? And we all embrace this, and somebody hears this. Y'all heard what the pastor said. We should have no needs. Well, let me tell you about a need That I have. Can I tell you that each and every one of us also has an accountability and responsibility? And elsewhere in the scripture, Paul also says, whoever does not work does not eat. Meaning if you are not willing to do the things that are necessary, that is your fault. And so one of the greatest things that we can do aside from, and in addition to being sacrificial and willing to share what we have, is also being willing to share honest truth. Here's what I mean. Some of us need somebody to say, you're being lazy. Some of us need somebody to say, this is not how you're supposed to conduct yourself. You're making poor decisions, but we gotta be close enough to people and in each other's lives enough to see it and to have a space in their life to be a voice. Because, None of us are perfect. All of us have areas of struggle. All of us have areas that we need to be sharpened and we need to be refined and that we need to be accountable for. And that stuff starts coming to the surface when we start getting close to each other. And the truth is we need to be loving toward one another and willing to help one another. And so that means, again, if there's a need, I'm willing to be generous with what I have. If I have extra stuff and somebody needs This is extra stuff. If I have extra time, I can spend time with people. I'm generous with my time, enough to have a conversation with people, to have lunch with you, to get to know you, to help you move, to figure out what you got going on. I'm I'm generous enough to share my connections with you, my network. Amen? But I'm also going to be honest with you. Which is, a, which is a huge aspect of generosity that we have to embrace. Loving people enough to be honest with them. And sharing our story. Being willing to share our story. Share who we are. Share what God's done in our lives. You'd be amazed what takes place as we do that as a regular part of being in community with each other. And especially when you're talking about inviting outsiders in. You being generous with who you are and what you're a part of and sharing your story. And here's a challenge that I would give you guys. Y'all ready? I challenge you guys to start intentionally sharing your story. Start intentionally sharing your story. That means being in relationship with people. That means on social media. That means sharing your story, especially, I'll tell you one of the lowest hanging fruits, what God has done in your life as a part of this community. Because when, when you are evangelizing to somebody, which is what we talked about last week, you don't want to just leave that person with a prayer. You want to pray with that person. Have that per- Man, if that person receives gr- uh, Christ, praise God. But you want to invite them into something. Invite them into the family of God. One of the best ways that we could do that is sharing our stories about how being a part of the family of God has changed our lives. If God has changed your life in this ministry, share your story. Invite people to be a part. And I believe that's ultimately going to be the greatest message. I believe if we could, I would love to see way more clips of you guys on social media than me. I believe that you guys have, that it would be much more effective for more of you guys to share your story, share what's going on. That's gonna make people wanna be a part of the family of God more than a clip of me teaching. Amen? So I challenge you guys to do that. Tag us in it. And I wanna close here. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. There's a way that we're supposed to engage with one another. There's a way that we're supposed to treat one another. And I believe that God has great things in store for us as a community, great things in store for us as a family. I'm very excited for even what's going to take place tonight with our small group open house. And here's the deal. I believe that God has life change in store for many of you and for many people that he's calling you guys to reach. And I believe that if you will take the steps into what he's calling you into, the uncomfortable steps outside of your comfort zone and into the deep, I believe that you're gonna see a transformation in your life. I believe that as you embrace living in community, it's going to be the change that you need in your life, the refining of your character, the fulfillment that you desire, as you're able to walk in purpose, engaging with God's people, serving God's people, experiencing the love of God's people and giving love to God's people, I believe there is way more fulfillment in that than maybe you even realize. And so I wanna pray for us tonight before we move forward that that God would make this evident in who we are and in what we have going on here. Father, we love you. Lord, we know that you have good plans plans for a hope, plans for a future. God, you have plans to build your church, and you said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Lord, I pray for each and every person in here. God, every person who's been isolated, every person who's felt alone, every person who has felt distant, Lord, I pray that you would bring each and every one of us into community, into fellowship, into family, Lord, I bless each and every person who's already pioneering this. God, each and every person who who has gotten involved to lead a small group, God, who's opening up their home, opening up their time, opening up their schedule, opening up their heart, Lord. Lord, I bless them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, each and every person in here who's looking for the right people to be around. God, I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I pray for a move of your spirit right now to make connections with people. Lord, I pray that even tonight divine connections would be made. Divine relationships would be cultivated. And Lord, I pray that we would experience the move of your spirit, the same spirit that connected the early church, Lord, and has kept your church connected over these last thousand years. Lord, I pray that you would make a move in our hearts tonight and father for each and every person who walked in here and is not in fellowship with you lord i pray that you would draw them into complete relationship with you right now if that's you if you walked in here and, and if, And you don't want to move forward without stepping into fellowship, into relationship, into family with Jesus Christ. I just want you to place your hand in the air so I can pray with you before we move forward. I see your hand. I see you guys' hands. Hands all over the place. You guys are making the best decision that you could ever make in your life. Lord, I thank you for every person who has their hand raised right now. Lord, I thank you that you see them, that you know them, that you love them, that you've drawn them here for this time, for this moment. And you are inviting them into relationship with you and into relationship with the body of Christ. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you took on my sin on the cross and that you paid the price for me to have relationship with God. Jesus, I believe you have the power to forgive me and I receive your forgiveness. You're going to make me new and I receive that. I repent and turn from my old life, from all of my sins, and I turn completely to you. I'm going to live a new life as a result of having you. Thank you for loving me, for caring for me, and for welcoming me into your family. I will follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, look, family, I'm excited. Jess has some instructions for us. Let's go.